Did you know that Walmart has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard? Hello and welcome to the Yola Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Ruka Chukumeriji and today is Wednesday. So you know what it is. It's 8 o'clock series and tonight we'll have something really exciting for you. We'll be talking about intimacy. But before we go into intimacy, we'll have the suitcase. We'll be asking a very important question and that is, how do you find the right customers? But before we get into that, we'll have to drop your jaw and... If you're ready, let's get into it. But first of all, we'll get you into the mood. Let's go. episode of Drop the Jaw, we have some really exciting things for you. Now, did you know that Walmart has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard? That means it is easier for you to get into Harvard than it is for you to become a worker in Walmart. So Harvard might be hard to get into with a 4.5% admitters rate, but Walmart applicants are only accepted 2.6% of the time. <laughs> okay, that's a very interesting, that's a very interesting fact. Okay, that's funny. So the second one today is, did you know that somebody actually paid $10,000 for an invisible artwork? So an art collector once paid $10,000 for an invisible sculpture that was created by an actor called James Franco. The artwork was called an endless tack of oxygen. So basically someone sold air to somebody else for $10,000. You know, this kind of reminds me of a story I read as a kid about an emperor who had no clothes. So two weavers promise, if you remember, if you remember this story from childhood, two weavers promised an emperor a new set of clothes which they said we are going to be invisible to stupid and incompetent people. But in reality, we are not even making any clothes. When the emperor now decided to parade his new clothes in front of his subjects, people couldn't talk for fear that they would be seen as stupid and incompetent. It was not until a child that was watching the emperor pass by shouted, well, he's not wearing any clothes. So that's, that's the kind of feeling it gave me when I learned that someone sold air to somebody else for $10,000 as artwork. Anyway, people have their own preferences. 
So the third one on our list is this. A US town once had a three-year-old mayor. Wow. Imagine holding a public position as a three-year-old. So in the town, in the small, it's a very small town, in the small, in the small town of Dorset, Minnesota, a new mayor is picked every two years by drawing names out of a hat. So in this particular case, a three-year-old named Robotov was selected as mayor in 2015. So his name was picked from the hat. Guess what he did first thing that he entered office? He gave free ice cream to everybody. <laughs> Trust it. So, what would you do? What would you do? What would be the first thing you do if you were to get a public office? Let me know. Send me an email. Hello at you let us here. Right. Right. The fourth on our list is this. Do you know that vending machines are bigger threats to humanity than sharks? Okay, this is this is this is weird, right? Is it that you are twice as likely to be killed by a vending machine? than a shark, and this is according to the New England Aquarium. So you may be asking, how are sharks less dangerous than vending machines? The thing is that it's, it's just a matter of statistics. It said that one out of every 250 million people die due to shark attack. Why one out of 112 million people die from a vending machine? So, you know, it's a matter of statistics, basically. But it's quite a very funny statistics. <laughs> And the last one on our list today is this. Did you know that that blob of toothpaste that sits on your toothbrush before you brush your teeth, it has a name. And the name is called Noddle. I never knew that it had a name. But it just turns out that it, had, it has a name. So when you want to brush your teeth in the morning and you put toothpaste on your toothbrush, that toothpaste sitting on your toothbrush is called a Noddle. And that is all for... Today's segment of Drop the Jaw will be heading straight to the suitcase in the next few seconds. But you know how it is. Before then, we'll do something nice. Let's go. Thinking about the world, looking at the nation. Suicide, genocide, homicide. Three words come to mind. Times are changing, yeah. No more rumors, there are wars going on. Twisted doctor, scientists making clones. Economy got some backs against the wall. People dying for no reason at all. People of God don't even read their Bibles. There's no faith, no trust in the word. But everybody seems to be quoting scripture It's just another word they heard Pastors leaving pulpits cause they're tired It's all based on how we feel Overheard two people speaking the other day One said that God's not real But I'm just one of them more people Who's got a hold on Sometimes I can't see, but I still believe He's taking care of me Oh, I'm just one of them old people God's got a hold on And I believe, I believe, yeah I believe, 
Alright, welcome back. So it's time for the suitcase where we try to get MBA the straight way. And each week we'll try to answer business questions. And the question for this week is this. Do I have the right customers? And how do I get the right customers? Yesterday I was having an interesting conversation with a friend. And she said that for you to become an expert in your area of interest, the first and possibly the only thing you have to do is say yes. So you say yes to the smallest opportunity in the world. You say yes to the question, can you? And before the person is done saying it, you've said yes. You say yes when you're not certain you know how to. You say yes when your heart is beating faster and fear grips you. You just say yes. So I said to her, well, Warren Buffett may not exactly agree with you. And she said, so what's his view? So I put out one of the most popular quotes by someone that is regarded as the greatest investor in modern history. He said, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. So I said to my friend, personally, I say no more than I say yes. When I started my career as an entrepreneur, I said yes to almost everything. But as I grew um, in my career, I tend to say no more than I say yes. Now, understand where she's coming from. She's saying for you to become an expert, you have to say yes to everything in order for you to gain experience. And that may be true. But also, in trying to become an expert, one must learn to selectively say yes for the purposes of focus. Same thing applies to clients and customers. The best clients aren't only the paying kind like most people like to believe. Just like you carefully select the vendors you work with and the people you employ, you also have to carefully select the clients you want to work with because it will pay off in the long term. Now ask yourself, would you rather spend a lot of time, energy and money in trying to make a few troublesome clients happy at the expense of clients with whom you can develop long-term relationships? And of course, there's no formula that works for everyone in terms of selecting the kind of customers you want. Every business must have their own criteria for selecting their own kind of customers, the customers that is right for them. So you must also have your own criteria. I remember years ago when I started my career as an entrepreneur running a tech company, I wrote down the exact lines I wanted. I knew how old they were, what their hobbies were, where you could find them, and you know, down to the tiniest detail. I even gave the beautiful name to my ideal clients. That way, I was able to identify who to work with and who aren't exactly my market. Paying customers make life easier, of course, but you need more than just paying customers. You need the right kind of paying customers. So here are five things that you could look out for to know your ideal customer. And uh, you, I believe that you have to start asking the six questions what, why, which, when, where, and how. So the first question is what. I should ask the question, what does my ideal customer look like? What's their age, their educational background, their occupation? Where do they go for fun? What do they do for fun? Where do they hang out? Are you looking for people that are the best in their industry, field, or region? Are you looking for the ones that are committed to customer service, that are very entrepreneurial in nature? Are you looking for people that are committed to giving back? Are there particular industries that you must work in? You know, these are 
questions that you have to answer. These are the what questions you have to answer to give you a very clear picture of who your client is. Then the second question you have to answer is this. Why should they care? The question of why. Why should they care? What problem does your product solve for this client that you just described? How will it improve their work? How will it improve their life? So you have to list the benefits of your product to the client that you've described that you want to work with. The third question you have to answer is the which question. So which of these benefits will most appeal to them? And this has to stand out really well because this answers the question of why they should choose you over your competitor. The fourth question you have to answer is the question of where. So where are they physically located? Where do they live? Where do they work? Where are they when they buy your products or services? So the question of where is important because it helps you in your targeting and bringing these customers to you. Then the fifth question is the question of when. When do they buy? What has to happen in their life for them to buy your products? What month, what year, what season do they buy? What day of the week do they buy the most? You know, you have to answer the question of when. And finally, you have to answer the question of how. How does your customer buy your product or service? This has to do with their buying strategy. How do they make the decision of what to buy? Have they bought something similar in the past? How did they buy it? Do they shop online? Uh, do they buy in networking events through personal recommendations? How do they buy? Answering these questions not only clarifies your mind, but it also helps you find the paying customers that is right for you. This will help you spend less energy and resources selling to people that is not right for your business. Okay? And that is all for this segment. Let me know what you think. How do you identify your own right customers? Send an email to the Yola podcast via hello at yola.co and uh, so we'll get to hear your own feedback.
Welcome back and we'll get right into the 8 o'clock series and tonight we are talking about intimacy. Whew. See, uh, let, me, let me not even lie. I believe, like, I sincerely believe that this is a secret, if there's anything like that, to, to a successful relationship. Honestly, I was thinking about the way to say what I want to say and then, boom, I remember David. I was about thinking about David. David, the son of Jesse in the Bible, right? As I was thinking, as I was still thinking about David, I remember the son, Solomon, Augustolo. He came to my mind immediately. And I think this is really key because it represents two very important aspects of intimacy. Few people have had the privilege of enjoying the kind of intimacy David enjoyed with God. And for his son, no one enjoyed some height of human intimacy many can only dream about. And in a moment, I'll be telling you why I think this is important. So first, David. Before I talk about David, I'll say this. It is difficult to enjoy an amazing horizontal intimacy, which is an intimacy with your fellow human beings without a superior vertical intimacy, which is an intimacy with a spirit, a higher spiritual being. Okay, David. David has some very strong similarities with Abraham and Moses. However, David is so unique because of his brutality. David was very honest with thoughts. My guy, they tell God as they be, as they do him. He will ask God, how long you want to forget me? He say, tell me God. Oh yeah, you see this, my enemies, finish them sharp, sharp. Let them know, say, their power, less. At some point, he will be like, Papa, why you don't want to help your guy now? Maybe <laughs> it was that raw to it. So it was just brutally raw. David was honest, very honest. This, I believe, is what worship is all about. When you get to that point where if you're angry with God, you just tell him. You get to that point where you are so surrendered to God that there is no part of you, no matter how dirty it is, that you want to hide from him. Even your silliest, most stupid thoughts, you tell him, the time that other women will judge and condemn you for. This is communion. This is fellowship. This, I believe, is what Adam and Eve were enjoying in the Garden of Eden. So much so that they were naked but unashamed. Now, I'll come back to that. Intimacy with God is when you get to that point where you are completely naked with God in His presence. Yet, you are unashamed. That is worship. And because David enjoyed that kind of intimacy with God, he knew more about the Messiah than any other prophet. God showed him his master plan for creation. Just as he was playing before God, God was playing before him. This is the point of fellowship. Remember, I mentioned some other guys that enjoyed this kind of thing. Remember Abraham? Abraham was so intimate with God that he was negotiating with God concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, now why Lot and his family could even get away? Moses told God at some point, if your presence won't go with us, we ain't going nowhere. I'm going somewhere with this and I want you to hold on. Intimacy with God can be summarized in a few words and that is surrender, obedience, communication or communion or fellowship, whatever you want to call it, and love. So you can summarize it in, 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 in surrender, in obedience, in communion or fellowship and love. Now don't forget those words. Now, we'll be getting to the fun, in quotes, fun parts. And this is where Solomon comes in. Solomon was just so good. Some of us, when they claim was me, still a work where Solomon did. 
Solomon could write up a storm. He was a poet. Now, let me tell you how I first got in contact with Solomon's ideas on intimacy. Check this out. May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful dear. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And the next verse, check this out. This is so good. Why would you trade enduring intimacy for cheap trails with a whore? Okay, so this is in the Bible. This is in the book of Proverbs. And, you know, this is really exciting. And this, reading this passage in the book of Proverbs was how I first got in contact with Solomon and his views on intimacy. Funny story, right? So I was still a student in UNA when I came across that passage, especially the part that said, may her breasts satisfy you. KJV will add at all times. Joy. It used to get me so excited. So in my head, I was already planning how I breast. Okay. All right. Let me not go into there. Now, I, I, all I think about is how to grow my company, right? Anyways, back to the gist. When you have some time, I want you to read the book of Sons of Solomon to understand intimacy with a partner better. But I'm going to highlight some really key important things about the words I mentioned earlier on. Surrender, obedience, communion, and love. So we'll start with surrender. Intimacy begins when the man and woman surrender completely to themselves and together as a unit, they both submit to God. Surrender is also where physical intimacy comes in as well, where both of you submit your bodies to each other. Let me chip this in. I believe that sexual compatibility, whatever that is, has nothing to do with intimacy. Maybe sometime in the future we might discuss sexual compatibility and the very wrong concept that I believe is being circulated around. The second thing, word that we mentioned earlier on is obedience to God. There has to be a source where you both plug in. Misunderstandings and issues will come up, but having a person before whom you both kneel resolves all issues. So let's talk about the other point, which is communication, communion, or fellowship. This is a full topic on its own, but here you have intellectual stimulation, emotional anchoring, and all that. This is where you get to the point where intimacy goes beyond physical touch. This is the point where you are naked and unashamed. Finally, love. And here I will substitute that same word with another word, and that is sacrifice. This is the height. It's in giving. It's in giving of your time, your attention, your money, everything. It is not in thinking less of yourself, but in thinking of yourself less. It's in service to your partner. And that is all for today's episode. And I'm really excited that you tuned in. But before you go, we have a question of the week for you. Your answers to this question will be featured on Friday's segment of the You Talk. And the question is this. What if you woke up one morning in another country surrounded by people who spoke no English and with only the clothes you slept in? What would you do and why? And with that, we'll wrap it all for today. Um, Thank you for tuning in and uh, I would see you next week. And don't forget, the Yola podcast is being powered by Yola Magazine. So this is Yola Magazine at yola.co, Y-O-L-A-R.co. All right. Have a great night.